Welcome, Bucknutters, to the Bucknuts Draftcast, the deepest dive you can get on Ohio State prospects who will be available possibly for the 2019 draft. Today we have Dane Brugler of The Athletic, arguably the nation's leading draft guru, analyst, what have you, formerly of NFL Draft Scout and CBS. He has moved on to The Athletic and was gracious enough to give us a ton of time on the Buckeyes. We break down everybody from guys who are eligible already to guys who could declare. You will get a more comprehensive breakdown today of that than you can get anywhere else. We will try and do this at least once a month, and then as we get closer to draft time, do a lot more. There will be interviews with gurus. Hopefully we'll get a sports agent on here. All different aspects of the draft as we head towards the Buckeyes getting paid again in droves. Sit back and enjoy Dane Brugler from The Athletic. (laughs) As promised, we are joined by the best in the business, Dane Brugler, draft analyst for The Athletic. That is a new spot for him. Most of you know him from being with NFLDraftScout.com. Dane, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. It's always great to uh, hop on with you guys, talk a little Buckeyes. People need to know this at a site called Buck Nuts. Dane is an Ohio native. I do have several family members that uh, have attended Ohio State, and so, you know, it's, uh, I do shut off any any connection there when, you know, talking about prospects, talking about, you know, these guys, but uh you know it's always something when i go back to ohio definitely ohio state comes up a warren ohio native correct correct yeah correct warren jfk and uh northeast ohio is definitely a special place where i grew up and uh hopefully you know my family and i were in texas now would love to get back there at some point uh you know both my parents my my wife's parents are there and so it's it's always home always will be and you know maybe it'll be my kids home one day well, I know the Browns just hired a new GM, but he's no spring chicken. So when Dude is ready to go out on the Baker Mayfield train, we will have Dane step in and take over the Browns. It's become a routine now, if it wasn't already, that uh, the Buckeyes are loaded for the draft. It's almost become the calling card of this regime. Um, you can look at certain positions. They are unquestionably now, at least recently, the number one team for putting out defensive backs, uh, number one team putting out centers. The one position, and we're going to start with this guy, that they have not put a top draft pick out in a long time is quarterback. I was going to start with Nick Bosa, but I figured we'd start with the money shot. Dwayne Haskins has been so good so far as a redshirt sophomore that his name has come up. In in full disclosure, we do a podcast to start the season where we make some what we think are hyperbolic predictions. And I predicted that uh, Buckeyes would go 1-2 in the draft, and I almost got laughed off the Internet. Lo, a month or two, uh, five, six weeks later, it's not looking that dumb. So, Dwayne Haskins. One, just your impression of him so far. And here's what I'd really like you to, to touch on for us. Are we, as Buckeye fans, I'm not including you there, overreacting because he's so different than J.T. Barrett where do you think Dwayne Haskins is right now? And are you impressed with the comparison to last year? And is that playing a role in anything? You have to be impressed. And and it's not just Ohio State that has not put a, a big-time quarterback in the draft uh, in, in quite some time. But you really look at the Big Ten. They haven't had a first-round quarterback since 1995 in Kerry Collins. So, uh, you know, obviously they've had plenty of success putting quarterbacks in the league with Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, you know, guys like that. But um, – you know, you look at Dwayne Haskins, and I think Urban Meyer, when he said that Haskins was the most impressive quarterback recruit he had ever seen, he set the bar pretty high. And then Haskins came in last year in relief of uh, J.T. Barrett in that Michigan game, 
earned the save, played really well. Uh, the flashes he showed in that game kind of reset the bar even higher entering this season. But through four games, he's exceeded even everybody's uh, expectations with what he's done so far. We knew he could spin it. Uh, you see the easy velocity, and that's certainly true. But it's the accuracy that's been so impressive to me. He has a, a great feel for timing, uh, which is really important with this group of wide receivers. You see a lot of crossers, a lot of anticipation routes. Uh, the different combinations that they run. Uh, and no disrespect to JT Barrett, but he had to see open receivers before he pulled the trigger. Uh, Haskins, he's able to anticipate. Uh, he sees those developing passing lanes. Uh, he reads coverages. And even when it, he doesn't anticipate, he has the hose. And that arm strength is so impressive that even when he's a tick late, the ball arrives before the DB can even make a play. So entering this year, I had – uh, three quarterback prospects in my preseason top 32 draft board. Uh, Oregon's Justin Herbert, uh, he was at number three overall. Auburn's Jarrett Stidham was at 13, and then Missouri's Drew Locke at 27. And so I'll be updating my draft board probably at midseason, so in you know two or three weeks. Uh, and Haskins, he's going to be on it. And right now, I would guess he's probably the second quarterback, only behind Herbert. And, uh, I mean, every Ohio State game – it's exciting because it's another chance to learn about Haskins. The physical tools, they're obvious. Uh, but where is he mentally? That's what we're trying to figure out. Uh, is he consistently reading coverages? Is he working through progressions? Uh, how does he handle the blitz? Every game is a chance to learn something about him uh, because so much of the quarterback position, it, it comes with experience and on-field reps. And so with only four career starts to his name, he's understandably inexperienced in areas. So, uh, you know, he's going to have a few hiccups. Uh, we saw it in the TCU game. Uh, still played really well. Uh, the game this Saturday is going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. First true road test. I mean, we can, you know, the TCU game was probably what 60, 40 Ohio State fans at, at Jerry World. So the whiteout at Penn State is going to be a lot of fun to see how he responds to that uh, against a conference rival, a talented conference rival. Ohio State should win, but you know, they should have won two years ago. And so we'll see how the quarterback responds uh, in that type of environment. I, I can't wait to learn more about him. But so far, you just have to be really impressed with Haskins. It seems like a lot of the quarterbacks that have been picked recently, let's say these, let's use the last five years, have a lot of athlete in them, and they're trying to convert them or at least bring out the pocket passer in them. Carson Wentz would be an example of that. Guys like that. I guess Jared Goff would be more of a, a pocket guy. When you look at, I agree with you. And, and to me, I know because this is your profession and you guys have to be, you know, um, I don't know if humble is the word, but a little bit patient. In the mock drafts, don't always have these positions. Quarterbacks go in the top five of the draft. I don't, I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. like Goff and Wentz were predicted to go one and two. I think Herbert and Haskins are going to go one and two. Herbert, there's no question he's a better athlete than Haskins, and he is a strapping dude and looked – I was really impressed with his arm strength and accuracy on Saturday night. But to me, when you're talking about putting a guy as a pocket passer, I'm trying to think of someone who's just arm talent. That, to me, that – and I'm not trying to – you know, his back foot hits, and then from then on, when the ball just leaves his hand, I haven't seen anybody throw the ball like Haskins since – I'm thinking Sam Bradford, maybe uh, Matthew Stafford before that. Do you believe in the Sam Bradford comp for Haskins? And for those who, you know, are down on Sam Bradford, go look at his uh, college statistics 
and you can look at his bank account as well. But Sam Bradford is the comp right now. Do you agree with that? And do you also agree that Herbert might eventually win out over Haskins just because he's bigger, stronger, faster athletically? I think that plays a part, um, and especially right now, it's just more of a sample size. Uh, I mean, Justin Herbert started 20 games at, at the college level, so we, we've we seen him progress, get better in areas. Uh, we still think he's going to get better, and so there's just more of a sample size, where with Haskins, uh, we don't have that sample size just yet, especially against top competition. I mean, Stanford was the number one uh, scoring defense in all of college football, all of the FBS, and Herbert went in uh, against that Stanford defense and, you know, didn't miss a beat. So with Haskins, it's all about uh, how does he do against the top top teams on the schedule. So he passed the first test against TCU. How does he do on the road at Penn State? That'll be a big one. Uh, the month of October, not really many tests for Ohio State. But then once we get into November and, you know, you have to go to East Lansing, uh, even at Maryland is not a cakewalk, and, uh, especially with uh, – because uh, that's Haskins from Maryland area, correct? He is. Yeah, so that he was originally committed. He, that's what yeah, I thought. He was yeah, originally committed to Maryland. Yep. So that would be a good uh, homecoming for him. Uh, see how he performs there in front of, I'm sure, a lot of family and friends. And then the week later uh, against uh, the Wolverines uh, in Columbus. So uh, it, for Haskins, that from this point on, and look, if the draft was tomorrow, Haskins is, is getting it would go high. There's no question. But thankfully. Uh, the draft's not tomorrow, and we have a chance to learn more and more about him. Um, you know, I've heard or I've received a lot of questions about comps. Sam Bradford's not a bad comp. Um, I, I think that's one of the better ones I've heard. Uh, but I still think we're trying to feel out, uh, you know, where he is. Uh, I mean, in certain levels, you see uh, a more accurate Cardale Jones. Uh, you see a little bit of uh, – you mentioned Carson Wentz. You see a little bit uh, – he's not quite that athlete, but just with the way he's able to – uh, uncork a fastball, you know, on the move, uh, very accurate uh, with back shoulders, uh, with the timing routes, combination. So, there, you know, the, the the comps will be tough, but I'm just glad that we don't have to make a decision, a definitive decision just yet. And uh, there's no guarantee he'll even leave after this year. He's only a redshirt sophomore, uh, three years removed from high school, so he is draft eligible. And for most quarterbacks, that's the route to go, um, you know, get paid and get started on your NFL career. Sam Darnold did that as a redshirt sophomore last year. Uh, and Dwayne Haskins at this current trajectory could certainly go that way. But, you know, it's, it's no guarantee. And Herbert, there's no guarantee he leaves. Uh, Justin Herbert, uh, that loss uh, to Stanford, the way Oregon lost, that sticks with you. And that could be something that sticks in his mind when he's making his NFL decision. His younger brother, uh, Patrick Herbert is going to be a freshman next year. He's a highly recruited tight end wide receiver. Maybe he wants to play with his brother uh, for one more season. So there's no guarantee that Herbert enters. Haskins could be the top guy, and, you know, we don't even need to talk about the competition. So, uh, you know, it's still only September, but up to this point, you have to be excited about Haskins and, uh, you know, where his future is going from here. One thing I love about Haskins, too, is he never looks flustered. I happened to have met him a few times when he was in high school. He's just a very chill guy. So in terms of investing in a human being, I think he's going to get high marks for that too. He's kind of just an all-business football player. Um, he also has a real Pied Piper quality to him. He he really has the locker room behind him. I mean, most quarterbacks do. At, at what point? At what point do we start talking about? You know, Dwayne Haskins is the best quarterback at Ohio State since 
you know, who. I mean, it, 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 at some point, uh, the way he's playing, uh, and, you know, if he picks up a big win on Saturday night at Penn State and, you know, looks good doing it, I mean, he's, he's the best quarterback at Ohio State since, since who? Troy Smith. But there was always just something about Smith, just maybe because of his stature. The mm-hmm. upside maybe wasn't there, and he was a gamer and a really good player, but I just don't think he had. Haskins' arm talent, if you watch, he throws so many of these. His feet are flat. He's throwing mm-hmm. deep balls, which normally you're like, oh, it's off his back foot. He doesn't even need to really have his feet set. His arm is so strong. And I'm a nerd like this, but there are some guys, the ball just comes off their hand in this ridiculous tight spiral, and people don't make a big deal out of that. And I know Peyton Manning threw waterfowl for career, but it's just impressive to watch day in and day out. Right. There's definitely a chance I'm geeked out being, like I said, it's called buck nuts, not buck rational observers. But um, <laughs> I haven't seen anybody even close to that. That's kind of why I asked about JT in the beginning because it felt like JT was quarterback for six or seven seasons and never threw a pass like some of the things Haskins on courts. Just, it's just really awesome to watch. Right, no question. And listen, it. When we scout quarterbacks, uh, arm strength can be very overrated. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of other areas where I want my quarterback to be above average. But there's no question when you have a quarterback that has that type of velocity, that can help erase some mistakes. You know, like I said, he's even if he doesn't anticipate the route, his ability to get the ball from A to B in sh- such a short amount of time that closes the with the windows constantly closing. DBs uh, bearing down on on the catch point. I mean that arm strength makes a difference, and so and it's not. And, he, and the other thing is he's not lacking in those other areas. You know, accuracy top notch. Uh, his ability to uh, you know read and go through his progressions. He seems like a sharp kid. So yeah, it's gonna be fun watching him the rest of the, uh, rest of the season. And people think we might be getting a little hyperbolic about this. I said the same thing on our message boards. If you're a football team, look, everyone has, has their NFL team that they follow, and they know what their franchise is like when they don't have a quarterback. And now you look at college, who would you want to be the, the quarterback of your future? I happen to be a fan of the team located near you now, and they do need a quarterback. I'm not going to get into detail on that. There is no question in my mind I would love Dwayne Haskins for yeah. uh, America's team. I mean, I know Justin Herbert may set out the physical side of it, but I'm going to be biased and go with Haskins. Speaking of being biased, let's get to who I believe is the best football player I've seen come to Ohio State since I've been here, and that's Nick Bosa, with apologies to Ezekiel Elliott, just the most consistent, dominant, I can't even put into words, player. I've never seen a player, when you put in slow-mo, it looks like he's on the matrix. He does these little subtle things. Hmm. He's maxed out more his talent and his ability more than anybody we've had, but he's now hurt. Nick Bosa was, I believe, your first or second player on your board with that Oliver. You can go into that. Talk about how you feel like the injury has affected his status. The first question everybody asks now is, the non-Ohio State fans at least, is will he now still be in contention for the number one pick in the draft? Yeah, he entered the year as my number one player um, uh, over Oliver, and that's not going to change. Yeah, I mean, what you said about Bosa – yeah, he's just so impressive. He's able to gain ground in so many ways. Uh, you know, he's not that super elite athlete like a Vaughn Miller, but he's not a bad athlete by any means. He's, his get-off is good. You see the flexibility, um, the power, uh, and he, he had the ability to learn from his brother who, you know, Joey was so far advanced 
for a college player when it came to technique, using his hands. And Nick's just kind of – he took the baton from Joey and he's picked up where he left off, and uh, he might even be further advanced uh, in terms of using that hand to beat blockers in different ways. Uh, very aggressive. You, you see the nuance. You see the sequence to what he's doing. It's not like he's just, you know, violent hands, active hands, and he, it's flailing all over. There's just method to the madness with every move that he makes. Uh, love is play violence. Uh, stays low. That flexibility is just outstanding. And uh, now we got to talk about the injury. And I, it's something that is, uh, it's unfortunate because I think he was the best player in, in college football. Um, and now, unfortunately, he's on the shelf until until November. And, you know, I, some been a lot of chatter this week about when he should come back. And, you know, I know his dad came out and had some quotes. And I think fans need to remember that Nick's, Nick's father, John, he knows what it's like to have a career just ruined due to injury. I mean, he was a former uh, Miami Dolphins first-round pick, shredded both knees early in his career, and – now he's remembered as a first-round bust. So, uh, and remember Joey, he was on the same field when Notre Dame's Jalen Smith had that gruesome knee injury in the Fiesta Bowl uh, against the Buckeyes. Uh, that took him from a top-five pick all the way out of the first round. So I think the Bosa family is very familiar with how injuries can derail careers. And so with Nick's with a surgery going well, he should have no problem returning to 100% health this season. Um, but he shouldn't return the action until he's fully healthy. Uh, there's so much at stake for him to possibly re-injure it, how that could affect his draft status. But as long as he comes back at some point 100%, so he's good to go for the draft process. Um, it really, when you look at the schedule, there's no reason for him to return until, what, at least mid-November. So I don't think the injury is going to have much of an effect on his draft status. You look at guys like Jadavion Clowney when he was at South Carolina his final year, uh, Miles Garrett at Texas A&M, he had some ankle issues. They missed time their final uh, college season. Still went number one overall. So, you know, Bosa is the number one player on my draft board, and I don't think that's going to change. And one of the few things that could keep him from going number one is one of these quarterbacks having the top pick. We know that could, you know, quarterback's the most important position. So that could knock Bosa from uh, being a top, you know, one or two pick to being three or four. And, you know, just similar to Joey, who was the, the first non-quarterback drafted in his draft behind uh, Goff and Carson Wentz. So, you know, pass rusher is the most, they're the second most important position on the roster. Uh, and Bosa has just a total package where you see him coming in from day one and, and making an impact in the NFL. All right, what do you think of, I'm prone to hyperbole, as I mentioned here, but if you look at Nick Bosa's lineage and his production, so I think the injury may have affected this. So I assume he comes out with a clean bill of health. I think you could make an argument that he's the safest draft pick, one of, of all time. There is no chance he doesn't go into the league and be, I'm not saying he has to be a pro bowler, I really think he will, but if you look at his lineage, his production, the fact his brother did that, wouldn't you agree he has to be about the safest pick that you've seen in a while? Yeah, trust me, I, I hate using the word safe when it comes to these prospects because there's there's just so many variables. And uh, But I think that you you are on to something here because when you do lay out all the evidence, uh, you have a tough time, you know, barring injury, some unforeseen thing happened, which, you know, you just can't predict. Um, yeah, everything lays out for Nick Bosa to have a very productive NFL career. 
uh, with you when you break down the traits, you look at the way he's dominated uh, college offensive lines, even when they try to double him, chip him, uh, scheme against him, uh, he's still able to be productive. And just the fact that offenses are game planning against him shows how valuable he is for that defense. And uh, you, you factor in his brother um, and everything else. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think you're definitely on to something. And, and that played a part why he is number one for me over Ed Oliver, who Ed Oliver is fantastic, an interior pass rusher, um, interior defensive alignment from Houston. But for a guy, Ed Oliver is 275, 280 pounds, and not every team is going to look at that and be uh, too excited about an undersized uh, defensive tackle. Uh, now he could absolutely turn out to be the next Aaron Donald. Uh, but those guys, uh, you know, it's there, there's more doubt in the minds of NFL teams when it comes to those two. Because I think Nick Bosa, you have the clearer path and, you know, the far less bust potential with him when you lay out all the evidence. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things we don't discuss enough these days, and it's starting to become really prevalent, is if you have a choice between a player and a player whose dad was in the NFL or a professional athlete, there's no question you should take the kid whose dad was the professional athlete. I'm a nerd, but I'm telling you, one of the reasons the Warriors do so well is they have two rich kids who are professional athletes, you know, uh, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Those guys know the drill. They grew up doing this. Nick Bosa, another thing, not only that, Nick Bosa's uncle was a first-round draft pick at defensive end, his dad at defensive end, his brother at defensive end from the same cut. So, man, it's clear that I'm right. going to close no, the no. I just think he's such a safe, safe investment. I mean, Ed Oliver's a tremendous player but I'm not even sure what position he plays right now. Whereas Bosa, I just think it all falls in line for him. It's a shame that he got hurt, but um, we know that they will be on point getting him back into shape. Okay, we spent way too much time on those two dudes, even though um, they're going to get paid, that's for sure. These guys are going to get paid too. And the one guy I think is obviously suffering from a little bit of spotlight being elsewhere, uh, maybe Bosa being out will change that, is Draymond Jones. A huge recruiting coup for Meyer to get him to come back this year. He probably could have been maybe late first, second-round pick last year. He looks fantastic. Give us your evaluation of him. I looked at mock drafts across the board. Obviously, yours is my Bible, but people, I've seen him at four. I've seen him at 25. Your opinion on Draymond Jones, what position you see him as, because he's got some hybrid qualities, and then where you could possibly see him going in the draft. Yeah, entering the year, he, based on uh, last year's tape, I, he was my number 20 overall player in this draft. Um, and I think that says, that's saying something because Jones, he disappointed at times last year, especially with, with production. Uh, and when it comes to the draft scouts, they value traits over production and stats every time. But with that said, it is important for uh, especially defensive linemen to show that their play leads to production. And so uh, last year he had only five tackles for loss, one sack. Uh, so I know scouts were hoping to see more this year, and it, we've seen it from him. He's he played better this year. He's uh, already, I think, five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, had that outstanding interception in return for a touchdown in the TCU game that gave Ohio State the lead and really changed everything. So um, Draymond Jones is only helping himself so far as a redshirt junior this year. And – when you break down the traits for offenses, especially teams that run a lot of outside zone, off-tackle runs, 
you need a center that can execute reach blocks, field a gap. But Jones is, he's almost immune to those reach blocks because he has that quickness. Uh, he can maintain space. He can, he has a little bit of burst to him. Very aggressive with his hands, with his reach. He's able to create movement when he gets his momentum going. That first step is everything because he's able to penetrate. He's able to uh, create and uh, turn that speed into power um, and use that upper body to uh, stonewall and not get pushed around. Just And you see him in space, and he's just very nimble, very loose with his movements, and that's really what you like to see. And above all that, he's a hustler. Uh, you see him uh, with his motor. Uh, you love his pursuit. And he's, he's going to make plays down the field. He's not just a one-gap penetrator. He's going to make plays away from the line of scrimmage. So, um, you know, not everyone's going to be uh, – not, not everyone's going to love the size. Uh, he needs to work on a, a few technique things, pad level, things like that. But with Draymond Jones, I, I see a future first-rounder. And it would be the first time – Ohio State's had so many draft picks over the years, especially on the defensive line. It, it would, this would be the first time ever in Ohio State's history – They've had two defensive linemen go in the first round with Bosa and Draymond Jones. So that's something to watch for. Very strong statement. Do you think Draymond is more of a 4-3 inside guy or a 3-4 end? Yeah, I think he's, he's a inside. I think he's a 4-3 inside guy. I, I think the the more – you want a guy like that with that quickness, you want him closer to the ball. The closer you get him outside to the edges – I think it'll be easier for those long-arm tackles to get inside his body and control him. You want him inside, use that snap, uh, that first-step quickness, get him close to the ball, let him penetrate gaps, tie things up inside. I think he's a just same way I look at Ed Oliver. He's a 4-3 uh, penetrating one-gap defensive tackle. Next guy I want to talk about, I don't know if you remember this, the first time you were on the show a few years ago, I actually predicted this guy would have number one overall draft pick potential, and I think I was obviously wrong about that. He struggled mightily early in his career. He has made a serious comeback and has become very consistent and has gained some pub in the recent week for a punch block that basically knocked the dude out, and that is Isaiah Prince. He's played only right tackle. Hasn't played any left. I kind of felt like, you know, he was the first guy to get his black stripe off in his freshman class, and he's from the DMV, so I was biased. But your feeling on Isaiah Prince, it does seem like he's emerged now as a guy who has some late first-round potential. He's played a lot better. And, you know, I don't, I don't know quite what that says because he was – he struggled so much earlier in his career, so there was really no place to go but up. Um I, when you watch him, you you do see flashes that get you. Okay, this this guy has something that's going to be uh, going to lead to an NFL future. Um, I still think you know the the awareness is better, but it's still up and down at times. Um, you know, he's still there's there, there's times where he's uh, you know making some late adjustments and against Tulane, you know, he can do that and get away with it just fine. Um, but I, I think that he has gotten better in those areas. Just needs to continue and grow. Um, eager to see him the rest of the year. Um, I, I'm not ready to put him that high in terms of, you know, a possible first rounder, possible second rounder. I think he's, he's a top 10 tackle, uh, just in terms of the, the rankings at the position. I think he is a top 10 tackle and we're going to see where he goes from here, um, against some of the better, uh, teams on, on the schedule this year. Um, I don't know that he's, you know, truly been tested up to this point, uh, by, you know, just a legit pass rusher. I want to see him again. 
obviously obviously Michigan with what they have with Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich on the edges, uh, but also some of the other uh, teams on the schedule just to see how he performs. Uh, I want to see him finish strong. As bad as his career started, as uh, inexperienced as he looked early on, uh, he's gotten a lot better, and so that's only going to help him. Um, but he's definitely a guy that NFL teams are watching. Yeah, let's hope he performs better in Happy Valley. The last time he was there, it was truly a house of horrors. Speaking of the defense, and we said Nick Bosa, excuse me, unquestionably the, the best player on Ohio State's defense. Some would tell you that the most important or valuable player is Jordan Fuller at safety, given what's around him. I've been very impressed with Fuller. I'm super high on him. I do think he will leave after this year kind of had those All-American traits coming in, and now even if you look at him in the huddle, he looks like a linebacker. I'm not sure he's fast enough to be a first-round safety, but your thoughts on Jordan Fuller? Yeah, and in Ohio State, they have that dominant defensive line. So they're able to create pressure with a four-man front, um, and so that forces offenses to do a lot of quick throws. Um, And we saw that. Uh, in the TCU game, uh, using the middle of the field. Uh, and Fuller is so important to that defense to be able to uh, combat that. And he's maybe he's the guy that continues Ohio State's first-round run at DB. Um, he has that type of potential uh, with his size, his experience, his instincts. Um, in order for Ohio State to limit big plays, Jordan Fuller is kind of the X factor. Um, you know, you, Ohio State cannot have another game like Iowa last year or um, some of these other, you know, even against TCU, they gave it the big play. Uh, Jordan Fuller needs to be a big part of what they do on defense to stop that. You love the instincts. Uh, very, he's, he's very smart. Uh, he understands what the offense is trying to do in terms of reading and reacting to route combinations, developing run lanes. He's very good at diagnosing play speed so he can be a reliable tackler. Um, and so Jordan Fuller, he, you know, it's mostly, like you said, he's the best player on the defense. Draymond Jones certainly up there. Jordan Fuller might be the most valuable in terms of what he offers to this team um, and just limiting the big plays, uh, being a leader, uh, you, you know, as one of the more experienced guys on that defense, uh, especially in the, in the secondary. So Jordan Fuller has a chance to uh, be an early draft pick and, this safety class, I, I talked to, I was talking to an NFL scout just last week about this. Senior class doesn't offer much at safety. So the scouts, they're looking for these underclassmen safeties who are going to come out. Alabama's got a stud. Texas has a stud. And I think Ohio State has a guy, Jordan Fuller, who has stud potential. Um, uh, just, you know, we need to see it. He missed the, missed one game this year. And then, you know, when he was back in the lineup, you could tell the difference. So I, I think he's, uh, he's on his way to having an all Big Ten season. No question. I also think Fuller's one of those guys that the that, that more intense the spotlight gets from a draft perspective, the better, because physically he's kind of a prototype. He'll do great at the combine, great lineage. Dad played at TCU, got a brother who played at UCLA, but he's from New Jersey. I always like – I'm impressed with families who aren't afraid to send their kids away, so he's been awesome. Let's hope he stays healthy. This last guy oh, – not last, let's do two more guys. What, this guy – I'm telling you, if you landed from another planet and had some football knowledge, I could put together a highlight tape of Paris Campbell where you would think he was the most explosive offensive player ever to walk the earth. I'm just not confident he's ever going to catch the ball. It does seem that it's better with um, the ball coming 
from Haskins with some velocity. It's at least getting stuck in his shoulder pads a little bit. I actually think if you slow the tape down last weekend, that wasn't even a touchdown catch. He was juggling that thing when he went out of bounds. But do you think Paris Campbell will be a high draft pick, or are his wonky hands going to hold him back? There's going to be a lot of debate about that, I think, because right now he's a better athlete than he is a wide receiver. And some teams will be okay with that. You know, they'll think, okay, we'll get him in our camp and – We'll, we'll teach him uh, how to run better routes. Uh, we'll teach him how to be more consistent with his hands. And, you know, we just, we, we just want that speed. We just want that athleticism. And so some teams will be more open to taking him in the top, uh, you know, 50, 60, 75 picks, uh, as opposed to some other teams that want more polish um, at, at the position. But, yeah, there's a question about his athleticism. I, he's so fast. Uh, the speed with his – the foot quickness um, – he just he needs the route cadence. He just needs to be more efficient at the top of breaks. And he has that foot quickness, but so many times he's doing himself a disservice with uh, some false steps or uh, just not doing enough to sell the route to uh, the defender. Uh, there's just so many little details and nuances of the position that he needs to get better at. Um, and you expect more from a senior at this point. But if, if at some point, and just if he shows progression throughout the season in that area, um, you know, because really Ohio State's had to manufacture touches for him, whether it's been uh, slants, short crossers. Uh, you know, we saw that uh, that touchdown uh, in the TCU game. Uh, you know, the Ohio State's been ha- really had to manufacture touches for him. Uh, and hopefully towards the end of the season, that, that's not as much the case. But that's what, Ohio, that's what scouts want to see. They want to see him just show a little bit more polish. And if he does, he has a chance to go very high because the the athletic skill set, uh, you know, guys like that just don't don't grow on trees uh, that you can just find. And so teams are going to really appreciate the athleticism that he brings. Uh, hopefully, you can just become a little more seasoned with the route running, with just being more consistent catching the ball, uh, and just being an overall more consistent player. Yeah, my opinion on Paris, he kind of is what he is at this point, and you're going to have to manufacture it him to get the ball. But eye test-wise, when you see him running down the field, that looks like an NFL player. Given there are 30 teams, someone's going to see that, and he's going to go higher than he probably should um, because he's just so blessed. He really is blessed. I mean, even among the Buckeyes who are, you know, some of the best athletes, he really does stand out in terms of just his, his, how fluid he is and his size and speed. And the way, you know, the hubris, and you know this, of the NFL guys, there's going to be someone who sees that and thinks they can add in the other parts because he's just so right. explosive. Okay, last guy. And this is kind of surprising to me because um, we didn't know about this position change was going to be for sure until almost before the, right before the season started. And Ohio State has had an unbelievable recent lineage at center with Corey Lindsley and Pat Elfline and Billy Price, all multi-multi-millionaires. Mike Jordan, a true junior who started as a true freshman at left guard, is now the center. He obviously has some issues with the trajectory on his snaps, but everything else seems really impressive. I do think he's going to come out this year regardless, just because of the number of games he's played. Your vibe on Mike Jordan, is he next in line at center for the Buckeyes in terms of NFL stud? Well, I, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about the, the pipeline of position. Uh, and what really stands out uh, about Jordan 
which was also true about Elfline and Billy Price, is just the versatility where they have experience in guard, they have experience in different positions, and Jordan, he's a bigger guy where you feel comfortable that he might even be able to plug it plug him in a tackle and he he could hold his own. Uh, you just don't see many centers that are what, six six. Uh, so yep. that is something that uh, will be talked about just because uh, you know does that hurt him at all in terms of pad level in terms of leverage? Um, I love the athleticism for a guy that size. He's able to climb to the second level, take out linebackers. Uh, I, I like. Uh, centers that are able to use their hands and not just rely on their body. And Jordan does that. He's a bully uh, with his hands, uh, very violent. Um, something that does worry me is I, I, I heard some quotes from Jordan about how the the moment, the environment, yeah. uh, again, the TCU game, it got to him. And that affected the snaps. Um, that that worries me a little bit. Um, and so – I'm, I'm eager to see how he performs on Saturday against Penn State. Now, maybe it was just a one-time thing. He got it out of his system, and now that he was familiar, you know, he, he, he played in that environment, okay, now he's used to it. And maybe he'll play much, much better um, against at Penn State, an even tougher place to play. Um, but if not, and the snaps are still an issue, that's going to be something that you're going to have to worry about, something that uh, is going to create discussion about, you know, does he is he able to slow down his heartbeat, focus, and uh, execute the snap correctly? Because you know, if you can't do that, we saw in the Oregon Stanford game how a botched snap can change everything in the game. And so, um, it's something that uh, just I'm not worried about it yet, but it is something that you know you need to monitor and uh, see how he adjusts the rest of the season. Because I'm I'm with you. He's he's immensely talented. Um, I don't know if he's a first-round pick, but if he's not a first-rounder, he's close. And the versatility that he offers, uh, I think that there's upside there. You expect him to get better and better in some areas. Uh, some of uh, some of his shortcomings are more just, I think, they're teaching coachable points. And so there's a lot to like about Michael Jordan. Um, and so I'm, he's another guy where I'm just I'm very eager to see how he performs in a tough place uh, to play on Saturday night. Bucknutters, we owe a serious debt of gratitude to Dane Brugler for him to dedicate that amount of time to us, even though he has some strong Ohio ties. It's impressive. Dane, before we go, like I said, you have landed at a new spot. Let everybody know what they need to do to read all your stuff. Yeah, you can find me at The Athletic. Uh, yeah, just so many great writers there, and I'm, I'm proud to be among them now. My focus is the NFL draft, uh, breaking them down each week, uh, all the prospects. Uh, preview what to look for. Um, so I, everything you can get uh, is there at The Athletic. And then, of course, on Twitter, at DP Brugler. Uh, follow me there for all the draft information. It's only September, but still there's a, there's a lot of info that I put out there, a lot of good nuggets. Um, you know, even if you're not looking too far ahead just yet, uh, I think a lot of stuff that Ohio State fans would appreciate. Yeah, and if you enjoyed uh, this part of the podcast, I would seriously, seriously encourage you to go and subscribe to Dane's Trust the Tape podcast. He does that with an individual from Dallas. It's excellent. comes out every week and will help you be a draft geek just like me. Dane, once again, thank you. Anytime. Thank you.